0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Thomas, you take it. We'll do it.
2: On a Wednesday evening. I am actually getting to talk for once. My name is Thomas Watts and thank you very much for joining us this evening. Before we get going, I have to tell all our BAM's listeners thank you so much for being with us and we have an old friend of ours with us. Bama Bird, you are live. You are back. How you doing tonight?
1: Hitting home runs, baby, hitting home runs. We're still in the middle of baseball season, but uh Tell you what, I'm pumped up after watching the uh the practice. I'm 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 anxious to get uh some feedback from both Carrie and Drew over uh what I saw this past Saturday down on campus. Um yeah. I, I I'm telling you right now and and I'm not gonna without blowing everybody's cover, I'm not worried about our quarterbacks. I'll just say that. I you know what, I either Coker or Sims I'm not worried about. But I do have a couple of other big question marks that I think we might want to address tonight.
2: We're also joined by uh, Carrie Clark. Carrie, it's great to have you with us. How are we doing?
3: I'm glad to be here. Uh, thrilled to have the show's founder and originator, Bird, back with us tonight. Uh, just really, it just makes the show when Bird is with us, and it just gets me fired up. And uh, uh, I tell you what, Bird, I, I can never thank you enough, and I speak for Drew too for this opportunity to bring the love two hours a week of the BAM Nation. You started it all. We wouldn't be here without you. And I'm just extremely thrilled to have you back with us tonight, buddy.
1: Well, thanks, brother. I, I, I truly appreciate your kind words. Uh, it's been a, been, a, been a self-imposed hiatus, but uh, when Mama Bird says I can fly again, I get to fly, and I said, I, you know, i got to get on tonight, baby, because I saw the practice. And she goes, get your ass back on BAMs. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Right away, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, and
3: she meant she meant for like uh, the next six to eight months. She didn't mean just for tonight. Ah, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, that's, that's
1: what I think. <laughs> just want to clarify her
3: wishes to you.
1: Uh, I, I do understand. Now, have Have you guys taken the ice bucket challenge? Have either one of you done the big dunk with the ice bucket?
3: No, I'm uh, I've them. dodged that. i watching
1: them. Yeah, yeah.
3: I can't figure out if you take the challenge if you have some kind of contribution or you just take it. The- Somebody pour an ice I, can't.
1: I, I think I think everybody's writing checks, you know. I, I see people writing checks for this thing and I'm not sure why I want to write a check for uh uh to get basically my nipples turned into uh ice cutters, but um I I, huh. <laughs> I, I, I I'll figure it out, you know, but it's I uh, I see this all going on on T V and so and so calling another so and so out and Next thing you know, it's, uh, they're getting dunked. And, of course, you know, most of the Alabama team the other day, including Coach Saban, got their ice bath. There
3: he is. Drew, are you here?
2: I, I don't see him in our call. Wait, wait, I kept
3: watching, I kept watching the, uh, the replay of that, Drew, and I, I, I think Saban got off a little light because the guys that were dumped on his back and the guys that got him from behind with the actual ice bucket on the ground, right? They got to the back of his head, but he didn't take the full facial plunge, man.
1: Well, I, yeah, I give him credit though for for at least being you know good enough sport to uh, uh, go out there and, and, and take it like a man. He got he got some on him. He was fine.
3: And by the and way, my DVR uh, right now has got uh, Gary Harris, the WVUA, getting it. I hadn't watched yet. That was six o'clock, and Firebomb got it right before six. So I got. It. Both those are my DVR and Drew Yarmine, welcome to Bams Radio. Well, hey, how are you doing, guys? How are you doing tonight? We're good. We got bird with us, man. Yeah, I can I can hear you guys just barely, but I got you. Great, you fine. So uh, whatever you. Maybe you, just turn up your headset volume or something,
1: or just just pull the string tighter between the two tin tin cans and and <laughs> it comes in. <laughs>
3: That's about what Skype has gotten us doing now, really. Skype, Good
1: Lord. Holy cow! I I I uh, did a show last night, guys, and and I'll tell you what, it took me easily, what for what used to take me about five minutes of uh, kind of dinking around to get uh, the technology all all locked in. All of a sudden. It's like an hour and a half, and I'm going, i have had to download the entire doggone program again. And I don't know if it was Microsoft and their shenanigans or it's maybe Skype with Microsoft, but they were asking me to do heinous things that I just felt very uncomfortable doing. You know, I had to go put on some clothes. It was awful.
3: Well, I hope you've been absolved of that. Um... But anyway, like I said, it's, it's great to have you tonight, Bird, and uh, Bird and Drew and myself were all at the scrimmage Saturday, so we're just going to have a roundtable for the next uh, 25 minutes or so until we're joined by Rodney Orr, Tyler Insider, uh, about what we saw Saturday, uh, what looked good, what looked bad, what looked ugly, what needs improvement, and, uh, I, you know, it's been so long, I think you should lead it off, Bird. Oh, thank you so much.
1: I'll tell you what, you know, th- there has been the, the brewing quote-unquote carry quarterback controversy of Jacob Coker, um, and, and it really has been my first time to kind of get up close and personal and see him in action. Um, he is a quite a physical talent. Uh, he, he looks like an NFL prospect today. Um, I don't know what the stats are on him, but he looks easily like he's 6'4", 6'5". He is a big, big strong kid um he's got the frame to go with the body um and and i was quite impressed i thought with him because you know i i don't know that we got a fair shake on either on watching the quarterbacks because i thought that our offensive line was they're so subpar or the guys that they got back on defense basically made that big of a difference but uh it looked like the defensive line, the D-line, was was,
0: uh,
1: head and shoulders above the O-line. I mean, they were putting pressure both on the quarterback as well as, you know, handing it off to our our young studs of of running backs and basically just shutting them down. You guys?
3: Well, uh, our our offensive line is is a work in progress. Um, Cam Robinson is an 18-year-old, maybe 19, I think still 18-year-old true freshman, so he, he's going to struggle against uh, experienced SEC defensive ends. Uh, most teams wouldn't even have the boss to start a true freshman at left tackle. But he's the best we have. So he struggled a little bit. When you have Re at left guard, Re is what he is. I, I'd say he's a little bit improved. Uh, I, I thought it was a little ridiculous that the media voted in preseason. He is not one of the best five linemen in the SEC. He's, in my opinion, not one of the best five linemen on Alabama. But because he's a veteran, because he started last year, he's in as in left guard. At center, Ryan Kelly uh, needed to improve himself at the point of attack. I think he's gotten a little better there, but he he's got still pushed. a work in progress. Kerry, he got pushed around.
1: Kelly got beat up. I mean, just flat beat
3: on Saturday. I, I, I believe that. I believe that. But he's, but he's a little better than he was last year, which is not playing that much, but he's still a little better. I, I really wish Sad Lindsey had stuck around at pushing, but he didn't. So uh, then you have uh, over at right guard, uh, you, have, you have Shank, Big Shank, Alphonse Taylor. Shank is playing that position because two guys that were going to challenge him both got hurt and uh, have just now gotten back into full pads uh, today. And I'm talking to Leon Brown, who started the Sugar Bowl, and uh, Dominic Jackson, who was also projected to push for time at right guard, who's brain his anger a couple weeks ago. He just got back in full gear today. So Big Shank, Alphonse Taylor – I don't know how he graded in the scrimmage. I'm guessing not very well. But uh, I think right guard is still a work in progress as far as he's actually going to be the starter. If we play tomorrow, I think it'd be Shank. But you know what? Leon and Dominic are not going to hand that to him. They're going to keep pushing him every day. So it, 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 there's literally one of three guys to start there in West Virginia. I just think that Alphonse has had so much time in full path while the others were hurt that he may get the nod the first game. And then at right tackle, you have our most consistent offensive lineman, senior Austin Shepard, a 50 year man who had a good year last year, and he's only gotten better. Uh, yeah. So the, we, we have a work in progress really across the whole front except for Austin. Everybody else could, could – is probably getting the most that he can out of his talent right now, guys. Those other four guys have got a ways to go. And I can't stress enough that I don't think the, the battle at right guard is over just yet. What do you think, Drew? Uh, it's not over with. and uh, I'll say this. Ron Kelly will be fine at center. He'd be a lot better off if he had stability at guard. You know, uh good friend of mine I do the radio. I'm on the radio with a lot, Wes Neighbors. He, he, tell, he He's told me many a time that, you know, an interior offensive lineman can look bad. But it's not because sometimes they're not doing their job. It's because the other two guys. And I think, uh, you know, right now there is some instability at both the guard spots, though. Ari has played a lot. has not played at a high level. Obviously, the coaching staff has trust him completely, and that's a lot of it. And he's one of the hardcore leaders on the team. Got gets a lot of things off to a lot of people. Don't care about that kind of thing. They want to see production. I understand that. Uh, but at right now, he's really been unchallenged. He's going to be the guy that left guard. Um, you know, Ryan Kelly. I think got better as the year went on. Last year at center. Uh, you know, I agree. I wish Chad Lindsay had stuck around. Now he's going to snap the ball to a freshman at Ohio State. You know, I think he would have been in the mix at both guard and center. Uh, probably a guard really right now, but uh, I, I do think that Shanks had a pretty good camp. And I, but I, I will say this: I'm not panicking over the scrimmage Saturday. I know, no. I know that the no. pass pro wasn't good at all, but uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the game plan, which was to throw the ball three of every four times. I think Alabama's pass runs is going to be much improved. I think the, the front seven is going to be salty, and uh, I really believe that the offensive line will get better as the year goes on. Cam Robinson especially. It'll take him probably toward midseason to get comfortable. But I do think that also both quarterbacks, which we didn't get to see a lot of in the scrimmage guys, is they're going to blow the whistle. But I think the mobility that Blake Sims and Jake Coker bring to the table is going to help the offensive line.
1: Yes. I have to ask you, Drew, were you as happy with the D-line as I was? Because I, you know, I'm wondering if part of the problem we had with the offensive line was simply because we had some studs back and, 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 guess what? This may be the deepest defensive line Alabama's had in years. I mean, they can rotate and knock me if I'm wrong, but there's eight kids that can play. Oh, that, mean,
3: there's no doubt about it. I think defense is end, especially bird. I think, you know, there's three deep, and that's counting a in certain situations. And I mean, he's just now back to practice today, but, you know, you've seen DJ Petway, who I think had a tremendous fall. Yep. And I think uh, Jonathan Allen may have been their best pass rusher thus far, four sacks and the two scrimmages. And uh, I think it was telling today with Ashawn's return to practice. First DL group was uh, Brandon Ivory that I saw on the drill. Brandon Ivory, Ashawn, and uh, John Allen. And Petway, who's been tremendous, is with the second group, along with Dalvin Tomlinson, who I think has been tremendous as well. so I just think right now, when you think of Deshaun Hand, who's also flash ability, I think they have a chance to be three deep, no question about it, uh, along the defensive front as far as defensive end, which should bring uh, uh, With the hurry up, it's kind of harder to substitute, but they should be able to keep guys fresh. Uh, Jaron Reed was still not with the first group or the second group, but, you know, he's got some talent and ability. And then in the nickel and the dime package, I think they're going to be even more dynamic because you'll see A. Sean Robinson – play a lot of the nose, and give them a playmaker there that they liked last season. Uh, when I think the time is coming that Aishon plays nose full-time. Yep. I've said that for a long time. And also, big news today, now he's behind the eight ball and still in the doghouse. Big news today, Drew, uh, your guy Tim Williams finally back at practice. Yeah, Tim Williams back at practice with a long way to go. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to be at the bottom of the depth chart, missed the entire fall camp, had a tremendous spring, great A day great – you could argue he's still the best pass rusher on the team, but he's going to have to earn his way back. The development of the D-line carry and with, I think, the potential of Ray Sean Evans and, and also with Dylan Lee being at the SAM, I kind of, in a way, wish they would redshirt him, but it's going to be interesting to see how quickly he gets back as far as uh, into to be a factor in the two-deep and regain the trust of the coaching staff. I mean, he did not redshirt last year. it would extend his career, hopefully help him get you know, his personal situation off the field situation taken care of fu- fully but we will see i mean from what i understand uh, our, when our guest comes on in about 15 minutes uh, he he agreed with me that williams moved well today in practice looked like he was in good physical shape which is a good sign that he's kept himself in shape during this sabbatical but again it's going to be tough because you know uh he, he missed all that practice time and again you know the coaching staff is going to they're big on trust, and it's going to be a long run for Tim Williams this season.
1: Did you guys happen to catch the play? And I and I cannot remember who was playing nose guard, but it impressed the heck out of me. Uh, it was a pitch to the right with the Yeldon. Yeldon strung it out to the sideline, and our nose guard basically made the play. And it,
3: you just yeah, it, it would either have to be. With, I would imagine it was either it was either Darren Lake or Josh Frazier, Probably Lake if it was I one think bro- I
1: think it was Lake. And and I have it's been a long time since I've seen a big man cover that much territory that quickly. And I mean, just absolutely snuff the play. I mean, knocked his guy down, pulled, and then and then basically uh, ran stride for stride. With one of the premier running backs in the United States of America, folks, and absolutely crushed the play, crushed it from the, no, from the nose guard position.
3: Well, if Yeldon was in there, my guess is that they didn't do a whole lot of one versus ones. in late, ran with a ones Saturday, so my guess is it was either Fraser or maybe even Corin Curvin. But
0: it was you're perfect. right,
3: whoever it was, whoever it was made a hell of a play.
1: Yeah, that's it, right,
0: Curvin as
3: well.
1: Fun, fun to watch, guys, and it's, I like the speed that I see on the defense. Um, Kenyon Drake. Let's talk about Kenyon. Yeah, he's had two great
0: scrimmages.
3: He's had two great scrimmages, and Kiffin has put in certain plays just for him. And I guess without revealing too much, we saw one of those Saturday. Uh, he's more than just a running back, folks. Yeah, uh, there's no secret from those that watch the 15 minutes the media is allowed to watch every day that when they go seven on seven. There's no secret that there's some plays in the in in, in our arsenal now, where either uh, Henry or Yelder are in the game at halfback, but Drake is still in the game at in the slot, and he's used as a receiver. And uh, although we didn't see it, I'm guessing he's going to be used some on reverses. Uh, but he is going to be getting the ball in a variety of ways this year, because quite frankly, he's the fastest back we have, and yep. he has had a great preseason.
1: Well, and and not only he's fast, Kerry, but he's elusive. He's he he has just Speed. He's got lower body strength that allows him to shed blockers. But that that pass play he had was as pretty as I've seen. I mean, that was a Coker to uh, Kenyon Drake, and I hope we see a lot of that this year. Just a Coker did a great job. Put it right on the numbers. And I was uh, talking to uh, one of our good friends today, Tony, uh, and he was asking me if you know I was worried about the uh, play of the quarterbacks, and I said, No, not really. I thought that. The, the quarterbacks did okay based on the O line, and I said, you know, it's all it's all kind of a house of cards. And I said, I got to tell you, I, I'm more worried about our wide receivers dropping balls that are hitting them right in the numbers than the quarterbacks getting it to them, because there were an awful lot of balls that should have been caught, would have been caught, and could have been caught that weren't caught this past weekend. Um, what do you guys see?
3: Well, and most of those were from Coker. You know, I'm almost glad he didn't release the stats because Coker should have had five or six more completions than he had. And the disappointing thing to me was it was, it was veteran receivers for the most part with yep. one exception, one exception very early, a young receiver dropped one. But, you know, fourth-year seniors dropping them, that's, that's not acceptable.
0: It
1: looked like a replay back to uh, you know the hundred dollar bill guy that you couldn't get him to cross the uh, hall.
0: You know,
1: here here go across the middle. Nope, not going to do it. Even there's a hundred dollar bill laying in the middle of the field. But uh, now I was disappointed in the receiving core, and I, and I, I guess out of everything that I saw, um, that would have been that would have been the thing that that would have me the most concerned, but. Uh, I, I like what he was doing. Of course, he does They're not showing much of their hand. But if he is going to be using Kenyon uh, with that skill that he has and that blazing speed, God forbid! I mean, he is going to be a secondary nightmare for just about any team that we play. A lot of fun. Now, how about how about the special teams? Did you did you have the same feeling in your stomach this time last year uh watching our punter and our kicker or were you a little happier with that
3: i can't say in words how proud i am of the turnaround just today that adam griffith has made yeah this young man has gone nine for ten on field goals and has not missed an extra point in two scrimmages and the miss he had was 57 yards in the rain with the backup holder uh, one thing we did learn Saturday was that his primary holder is Cooper Bateman. Well, apparently Alec Morris was holding on his 57-yard miss in the rain two weeks ago. But 9 for 10. With his holder, he's 9 for 9, and he's whatever for whatever. I don't know, 10 for 10, 12 for 12 on extra points. Uh, and and, and, and that's, that's not even mentioning the, the brilliance or, or the signs of brilliance we saw, Bird, from true freshman punter J.K. Scott.
1: Oh Scott was Scott was a specimen on the field. He was fun to watch. He was very very composed. And of course it's it's a different story guys sitting in front of, you know, uh 1500 uh casual fans versus 101,000 people. But I I thought he comp- he really comported himself well. I liked him physically. Uh he can sure put his foot on the ball. I mean, he boomed the punt. And something else that I picked up on that, that uh, I, I kind of poked the guy standing next to me, and I said, watch how many we put in the end zone on kickoffs. I think Griffin had every single kickoff, not go through the end zone, but by God, they, they weren't catching them on the 15 and running them out or on the 10 or the 20 and running them out. They were in the end zone. Um, what
3: threw me off about that, though, Bird, was we had uh, Redfish Barger on last week. He was at the first scrimmage, right? and he said, he said at the first scrimmage, J.K. Scott did most of the kicking off, and he was putting them through the end zone. Yet, while we're there, uh, Griffith is kicking off and putting them midway through the end zone. So, either way, we're going to be fine on kickoffs. You've got a little bitty man about 5'9", and you've got J.K., who is tall, but he's 6'4", like 180. So right. I, I don't think, we're not, we're not too good if they get by the first 10 in either situation. I was just a little surprised we didn't see any kicking off Saturday from J.K. after the shouting report we got from Redfish on the week before.
1: Well, it may be that, uh, that Griffin is slowly but surely working himself into the, guy, into the guy, and they're trying to get him as much work as possible. But that, that's
3: speculation on my part, guys. Well, Drew, you were there too. You sat there and saw the whole thing. Uh, uh, What were some of your other impressions uh, on on the teams? Let's say maybe the secondary. Well, I thought the secondary was much improved. Um, You know, I thought, uh, and I asked David myself after the scrimmage, you know, what what his impressions were of the cornerbacks and also the inside linebackers. He they seemed very pleased that uh, they had uh, Trey DeFrees back out there. He led the team in tackles, seven, had one tackle for loss, and you know, he so said they need to get him in better shape because you know, he missed 10 days of camp. That's expected. But he expects him and Landon Collins, the two, you know, hardcore leaders of the team, the two mainstays defensively right now as have stepped forward. And, and, you know, and they're veterans. They've been out on the field a lot. And uh, I, I really think, you know, he was, he's very happy with Reggie Ragland, obviously. He's had a very solid spring and fall camp. He, he should start in, in the, at the will spot next to traded Priest. And I think, you know, obviously, I think that they're developing some depth. I mean, Ruben Foster's improved his mental retention. I think he's going to be a factor. Could he eventually be out outreach, you know, I think. And then Sean Dion Hamilton has been a big surprise going through spring, now the fall camp. You know, he's a, he's a 4-0 student, you know, the valedictorian of his senior high school class at Calvert-Montgomery High School. He's ahead of the curve a little bit. I think he's definitely going to play, especially on special teams as well. But, you know, really, to be honest, I think uh, the secondary was what surprised me as far as the cornerback play because everybody realizes that was the weakness of the defense last year. Pass rush wasn't the way it needed to be, but didn't have a you know high level of play from the corners. Deion Blue was banged up all last year, and the encouraging part was the cornerback play was very good without uh, you know Eddie Jackson. You could argue would be the best one. He did not scrimmage for the second straight time. You know they're holding him out a little bit, not wanting to push him too hard. And so I just thought it was very – I thought Tyrus Jones, he had a nice pick six from 40-plus yep. yards. Bad yep. decision by Coker, but a pick six nonetheless. And then you got the two freshmen, Tony Brown and Marlon Humphrey, both had picks. And then Maury Smith, you know, at dime back. You know, stuff with Bergino. So I, you saw some really good things. I didn't see him – I know we uh, didn't see – I didn't get to see this uh, play. I know you guys did. But I know Amari uh, beat Tony Brown early on a uh, – on a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a double move but, uh, for about 40 yards. And still, you know, Tony bounced back, I thought played well. And I just really think right now, uh, you know, Coach Dave, it was very telling when he told me, you know, Cyrus Jones has been better than I ever thought he could be. So that's very encouraging, and Bradley still has been solid. So I think the secondary is going to be much improved in 2014. And with the pass rush being better, I just think Alabama's defense has a chance to be salty. Guys, I'm thinking some of the listeners might have some questions for us that solve a scrimmage. And anyone that wants to call in and ask a question, that's fine. Uh, The BAMS radio call-in number is 714-510-3707. Again, 714-510-3707. If you've got a question about what we saw that maybe we didn't cover off the top of our heads, please feel free to call us. No
0: questions.
3: And, guys, I'm going to echo what you guys both thought. I mean, I – we had heard through, uh, you know, our sources of practice that uh, Adam Griffith had looked very, very good and only missed one kick throughout fall camp. Then he was very good in the first scrimmage, four or five. Just seeing him a machined in the second scrimmage was extremely encouraging. Uh, you felt like when he was coming out of Calhoun, Georgia, he was the best kicker in the country. Uh, had, had as good a film of any kicker I've ever seen. Made a clutch kick to win the state championship over – Dylan leads Buford squad. So if he's really coming into his own, that's going to help Alabama quite a bit. And then with J.K. Scott, it looks like he'd be further along at the same time than when Cody Mandel won the job, the, you know, the four years before. And Cody has a very good career at Alabama. So it's like the punting and the place kicking could end up being a strength. And we all know that Christian Jones is a returner in kickoffs and punts, he's going to be one of the best in the, in the nation. So it, it's looking like to me two of the three phases. You know, are very in good shape right now with the you know defense and special teams offense. You know the skill guys are really good. Just got to solidify the offensive line and figure the quarterback out.
1: I think the quarterback's figured out, but it's going to be it'll be fun to watch. And I think that both of those guys, uh, even if they platoon the first two games, the, you're you're not going to see anything but plain vanilla. I mean, it's. Uh, I just don't see them uh, letting Coker run wild, and I don't see them doing a whole lot uh, extraneous with Blake. And, and, by the way, Blake, I thought, had a pretty good, pretty good practice this past weekend. I, I, I have been down on one in the past, but uh, nothing but, you know, hails Jose in his direction.
3: Well, I, I think if we – and I've already had this conversation with Drew, but I, I think that Blake's going to start the West Virginia game. Uh, but, you're, but you're correct about the platoon. So the Coach Saban gives that depth chart, and he's going to hammer the media before they even ask the question, okay? But when he gives up that first official depth chart Monday of next week, at quarterback it's going to say Blake Sims and a capital OR, Jake Coker. He's not going to tell anybody who's starting at quarterback Monday of next week no. because the competition is going to go on much like it did in 2011, and it won't be decided for three or four games.
0: Uh
3: Bird, I I'm just going out a little bit of a limb. I, I don't think Coker starts the game so probably Florida, maybe even Ole Miss, but I'll say Florida'll be the earliest Coker starts, but he plays uh, almost equally in the other games. I think Blake's gonna start the first several games, uh, and, and play a good amount and then they'll they'll it'll all shake likely because it has to.
1: Well, I'm not worried about it because with the defense we've got this year, guys, it's gonna do nothing but make that offensive line better. Um, those guys have got to keep the fence off of their off the number one quarterback, whether it be Blake or whether it be Jacob uh, or Jake Coker, as he goes on the, uh, on the, on the roster. But um, so, you know what, we've got a couple of weeks, uh, you know, we've got West Virginia we've got kind of a a powder puff game after that. Um, That's a lot of practices that we're going to be able to see the O-line and D-line basically hone themselves into what uh, a championship-caliber team uh, can be. And I really think, and, and shoot my bubble, either one of you, you know, all three of you, Thomas, you're, you're, you've got a BB gun, go ahead and shoot. But I see, I don't see any reason on God's green earth, as deep as we are at so many positions, that this team does not end up uh, potentially playing Florida State uh, next year for the national championship in fifteen,
3: it, it's possible. But the record the record book says that Nick Saban is a one loss coach. Uh, so at somewhere they're going to trip up. My guess is probably Oxford, if not then and Rouge. I don't. I don't. Think I,
0: Oxford, I, no. I think uh,
3: I think a eleven and one Bama team still wins the West. I, I tell I you, think it, the team that scares the West, me
1: scares me more than those guys is Tennessee. I, you well, know, I'm going
3: to be honest. With you. I'm, pardon me, Bird. I, I I'm not going to give that clown you freeze that kind of satisfaction. Well, I'm. You I, I have...
1: freeze is a bonehead. I mean, uh, he, I I'm with you, Drew. I think freeze is a complete bonehead. The guy that makes me a little bit nervous is up in up in Knoxville right now, and he if doesn't we, have the
3: players yet. That's true. He, he doesn't quite have the players, Bird. I, Two years from now, I'd probably agree with you. Yeah, he doesn't have the players yet. Well, uh, it, it, they may play us tough for a half. The reality sets in at some point, and we whip that ass. Between LSU and Ole Miss, there's there's going to be a loss. This is this is not a 12 and 0 team, despite our fans' loss. It, it, it it'll be LSU. Why? It'll be a war. But 11 and one gets you, I think, still wins the West because the other people will knock each other off, and then you get to Atlanta, and you're going to play either Georgia or South Carolina. I'm not quite sure who yet, uh, the winner of that game, but neither of those teams is on Alabama's level, neither Georgia nor South Carolina, and uh, Alabama will be fired up for that. As far as playing FSU for the national championship, uh, I I don't know that 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 will happen because I think, well, I'm afraid we might have to play them in the first round. Yeah. If we have a a loss. Yeah. Uh, If we have a loss and they're undefeated, Bama FSU could be round one in New Orleans. Yeah. And you know what?
1: It's you know what right now it's uh, we we haven't had our first snap of real football and it's complete speculation and we're paper tigers but uh, it never hurts it never never hurts. Speaking of the tigers, talk about a delusional fan base. I mean, they really think that they've got a shot at doing something special again this year. And I've looked at their schedule, folks. I got to tell you, yeah.
3: uh, I think they'll have two losses by the time we play them, Bird.
1: I think at least two losses, Kerry. And, well, and, and I
3: think we're number three or number four, but, uh, but we're I, look. They, they, they got a f- tough schedule. I don't they, they, they could be they a f- damn tough schedule.
1: Four loss team, and unless he's got something tucked in his uh, in his magical mystery tour down there on the Gus bus, uh, I got to uh, his starting quarterback, you know, being benched for the first game, Arkansas is not going to be a cream puff. I mean, that, that's going to be a tough game. And does not have your starting quarterback for the Arkansas game, read me. Read yeah, you me. know
3: what? He'll, he'll hold him out like one series. Uh, I heard his first two he games. Not, he, he, he has not said he's holding him out for the whole game. He is traveling. Okay. Well, that's, that's. You a- know what? We, uh, I don't want to get too far into Auburn just yet, Burr, because, uh, the people in the chat room have got some questions for the three of us. Uh, question one, I'll, I'll let you all take these questions. I'll read them. You all answer them. Uh, did we throw the tight ends much? I didn't see but one pass to O.J. You all correct I, me if I was wrong. I
1: saw, I saw one pass to O.J. Yeah,
3: O.J. got one touch, but that's all by design, guys. They're not going to give too much away. What they're going to do with Howard. I know that I, just based upon the way Elaine Kiffin has designed his offenses, everybody saw him at Southern California. They've always showcased the tight end. And to be blunt, he, as good a talent as Southern Cal had in his run there, they never had somebody like OJ. And I think he'll catch 45 to 50 balls. He'll be targeted three to five times at least per game. will be a matchup nightmare. You know, we talked about in the first scrimmage the formation in, during the in the red zone with that uh, uh, C.J. Yeldon at running back, and then had uh, and had King and Drake and uh, or, excuse me had Yeldon at, and uh, had, me, had yes that C.J. Yeldon at running back and had Drake and O.J. Howard out in the slot. Right. So, I mean, I just think that they're going to use O.J. in a lot of different creative ways. He's going to be kind of a matchup nightmare because I mean, he's too fast for you know a linebacker and. A lot of times too big for a
0: safety. So
3: I think he's going to be featured. I'm hoping to try Ramon Russell in 1989. I mean, I, I don't talk about Ramon anymore, but he was really the H back before there were age backs. And, uh, and he just didn't have the overall speed and athletic ability of O.J. And I just think O.J. is going to be a, an integral part. They did throw the tight end some. You know, Dakota Ball had a drop. And he had, he had a lot of time with the Warrens because they want him to be an inline blocker because Vogler was held
0: out.
3: Don't get, don't get me wrong, Vogler is crucial as well. He needs to stay healthy because he's far and away right now, the starter at wide. Right, and Vogler was held out Saturday. Another question, do we, go, do we use the true fullback much? I only saw it a couple times on short yards, but I, I, like Drew said, this, this scrimmage was based on throwing the ball. So I think the true fullback, and that would be Jostin Fowler was used a lot more the first scrimmage that we didn't see but the question for this past Saturday I didn't see it as much as we're going to see it in the games
1: no it, it's it was uh and and quite frankly there was not a, not a lot of uh excitement about anybody on the ground no matter who they had back there so I mean it just uh I thought the defense, defense that much better than anything else the offense could throw at them, but they didn't use them much.
3: There's not a, there's no half. Bird, another question—they're uh, asking if there's going to be a Bams tent uh, in Atlanta.
1: Uh, not in Atlanta. It's just—it's too much for me to try to get over there. Uh, we will be set up for the first game, though the first home game. So it's just—it's uh, a lot of
3: work, and I just don't—I ain't got the juice to go do it.
1: That's no problem. Uh,
3: I take it we are going to have it at every home game.
1: At every home game, yeah.
3: But we won't have barbecue at every home game. If,
1: like, uh, last year, I have talked to Big Head Chuck, and there will be games that we will be blessed by the uh, scintillated uh, charred meat from uh, Big Head Chuck from down the coast. So, yeah, we'll be looking forward to that.
3: So we will have it for Atlantic? Not You know what? I haven't talked to him about Well, that. you know what? We really don't need barbecue before 11 game But maybe yeah. you could do it for Southern Miss,
1: perhaps. I'll, I'll, I'll bring you a kolachi. How about that?
3: Um, I don't know what that means.
1: Oh no, you
3: don't. From Shipley's.
1: Oh, Carrie, I'm I'm, I'm going to rock your world, my friend. Does it
3: have cheese in it? Yes. I would not eat it then. So. Would you not? Well, I can get it. You're buddy.
1: I, I I can get them without cheese. Oh, That's okay. Kolache. are great. Oh man.
3: Well, let's just keep talking. Uh, and, again, the number, if you have a question, uh, the chat room questions are great. Uh, you can also tweet questions to at BAMAS Radio. But uh, you can call in and ask them live, too, 714-510-3707. Um, we, we have not yet connected with Rodney Orr, but that's okay. Uh, we'll catch him before the show's over. We've we still got plenty, plenty more to talk about. Uh, I thought it was interesting uh, seeing, without getting too much information away, seeing who some of the backups were uh, behind Christian Jones. Uh, I think we got a pretty good idea who the second and third punt returners are going to be. Um, and I think that they can all handle the job well. Uh, and I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, obviously they have it set up to where Christian does pretty much all the kick returns. Uh, and basically the second guy back on kickoffs is back there to, to block. But uh, I thought some of that was interesting too. That'll all be revealed soon enough. But, uh I think it's safe to say that either Landon Collins or the Andrew White will be joining them back on kickoffs. And um, Anyhow, there are other people besides just Christian on the team that can return punts, and, and I thought did a pretty good job. So uh, I think Bobby Williams is going to have one of his better years this year as long as Adam Griffith keeps his confidence up and uh, J.K. Scott keeps his shanks down.
1: Yeah, I like Scott. I was
3: very impressed
1: with him, and I and I it sounds like you guys were too. Uh, big big hang time and and not only big hang time but man I mean he can flat put the ball, push the ball down the field uh, with it up in the air for a long long period of time. It's going to allow us to create plays um, that I don't think and Cody did a good job for us. So I'm not going to take anything away from Cody. Not better every year. Yeah, he 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 was actually one of our strengths at the very end. Um, But I think this good kid's going to come in and he's going to be, it's not going to take four years for him to hit the level that uh, Cody did over the, over the period of his career. Um, I think this kid is going to be the real deal real quick. And uh, he seems very, very comfortable guys. Um, I mean, he can flat put his foot into the ball.
3: You know, he reminds me of uh, from our past years, Drew. Uh, maybe or maybe a little bit before Drew and Thomas's time. But Bird, you know, he reminds me a little bit of Chris Moore. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely, Chris is the best player at Alabama in my in my lifetime. Well, me me too, and I'm older than you, so.
1: Well, you know, and, and I think he, I think it's it bang on. I think there's a an alchemy going on right now of talent at the University of Alabama that uh, if it all comes together. I had the I had the uh, great pleasure of sitting down and talking to uh, uh, Mr. Castile uh, about two weeks ago. And, uh,
3: Jeremiah.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know he was uh, early morning Sunday and going into a Starbucks, and I gave him a roll tide. He came back outside and sat down with me, and for about ten minutes we talked Alabama football. And I asked him, I said, Jeremiah, is it just me or or are, are we on the precipice of something or two, and three years ago? And he said, "Yeah, kids have just got a different attitude. You want to see? They're coming out the gates with it. Um, their heads are right." And I, I mean, uh, talking to him made me feel very good because I mean, when you when you look at us year after year after year as far as talent goes, my goodness, I mean, we should be a top five team, top top three team every year. But Jeremiah was very, very confident, and, and I said, you know, there's only so much that the coaches can teach these guys um, before it has to start coming from within. And he, he laughed. He said, that's exactly what I'm about to go down and, uh, and say down at university, down in the locker room. is like, okay, guys, you're going to get the best food, you're going to get the best body preparation, the best weight facilities, uh, you know, the best nutrition. You name it, you guys are going to have the best of the best, but but it doesn't all come together until it happens inside of you, and you're the one that's got to make it go, and so, uh, you know, he he was pretty upbeat, he was very upbeat, and uh, and, I, and Jeremiah is not a, a you know he doesn't pull any punches. I thought he was absolutely bang on with everything he had to say, but it
3: made me feel good. Yeah, we almost uh, we almost had Rodney dropped, and we're going to get him back in a second. And we're also going to bring on a special caller. I believe I know who this is. Before we get there, though, one final question from chat was, "How did Tony Brown and Marlon Humphrey look?" Uh, Tony did okay, struggled a little bit. Uh, guys, I thought Marlon looked pretty well, particularly on that one sideline, keeping feeding interceptions. I,
1: I thought it was, they were good and very good.
3: Yeah, I thought Marlon looked very good in coverage. He had a deflection, had the INT. Tony bounced back from. Uh, from the long, you know, touchdown that he gave up to Amari Cooper, which is to be expected. So good mental toughness, you know, he was able to, you know, get, get an interception of his own later in the scrimmage. And I thought he held up pretty well. I I really thought the DBs – I know the receivers got had a lot of drops, but those guys are talented. They're going to produce. I just think, you know, that I, I was encouraged that there didn't seem to be, you know, guys running wide open the entire, you know, scrimmage. And I think that the defensive back – and the safeties, uh, that, that, you know, landed should be as good as any in America. Uh, you know, Nick Perry, he's going to be the dime back. He's always going to be in the right place. And then now, and again, we're, we didn't even talk about this. Geno Smith did not even practice.
1: That's right. Geno wasn't even on the
0: field.
3: Right. Okay, guys.
0: Geno had a very good spring. Okay. And, okay.
3: Every, and, and, and he's had a good fall. I, really, I think he'll be solid. True, true. We got Rodney Orr ready to come on. Uh, go ahead and bring him on, uh, Thomas, so we want to welcome into the show a good friend of BAM's Radio, uh, founder, chief executive officer, president, <laughs> and head cook and bottle washer of tighterinsider.com, my friend and yours,
4: Rodney Orr.
3: Rodney, what's going on tonight, buddy?
4: Kerry, uh, you know what you're really saying there, don't you? It's a mom-and-pop <laughs> organization, when, when, you, when you do <laughs> well, everything from yeah, when you do everything from sweep the floors to sign the checks, you know what that means. It's, it's mom and pop. Yep. Well, so the sometimes, major, it, the sometimes you gotta take
3: the trash out, and Rodney's really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rodney, uh, I've learned. We, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I think Rodney, believe it or not, I, I'm told that we have a caller on hold that has never called this show, and I've always wanted him to. <laughs> and <laughs> now the only name he gave was Reggie. Uh, but I believe it could be the legendary Bama Kay. That's what I said when I read chat that he was on home. Uh, you, you is this the Reggie that Rodney and I is this the Reggie that Rodney and I think it is? Uh is this Reggie from the ATL? Hey dude. <laughs> Bama Kay in the house. <laughs> I tell you, listen, this is an all star cast. Rodney Orr, Drudy Armand, Bird, and Bama Kay. And then slowly, CC Bama. What's going so that, on? That
0: that
4: sounded more like Redfish doing an imitation of Bama K to me. <laughs> oh
0: shit! don't oh, know. Well, let's see. Well, let's keep going.
3: Redfish, is that yours? Is that really veggies? I got I
0: got two questions
3: for Robbie. <laughs> okay. All right, you're right, Robbie. <laughs> the the well, first okay. one. The first one is I want to know. What is Bama K's role going forward with Tighter
0: Insider? The second part part of the question
3: is I want to know about his TV partner, host, Gary Harris, dressing up like Rowdy Roddy Piper when he was in high school. (laughs) And I'm going to hang up and listen to both questions. Thank you, guys, and I'll call back in next
5: week. Yeah, okay. So, is
3: doing Reggie.
4: Well, Rodney, I guess you can try to give us two uh answer to those questions if you like. Well, my first answer would be don't ever post anything without getting clearance. You know, you've got, you got to send us what you post first. We got to make sure, it's, you know, put a stamp of approval on that thing because, you know, that k can be dangerous sometimes. Now, what was I'm the second the one? Answer-
3: uh the second one was uh, something about Gary Harris dressing up in high
4: school like Rowdy Roddy Piper. He did. He really did that. <laughs> he he acted, he ran around Heflin, Alabama wanting to wrestle everybody. Is what I was told when he was a young kid, he pretended to be Rowdy Roddy Piper and uh, that's how everybody knew him. Apparently people did some people didn't even know his name. They just knew the kid who ran around Heflin uh pretending to be Rowdy Roddy. So um I think Redfish got a kick out of that story and you know what I was saying about oh. that, McKay. Of course, of course, I was joking. But anyway, I'm glad to know Redfish is a regular listener of the show. I mean, we're
3: honored. He's also a big contributor to our show. Just like I'm you wanted to call him Insider
4: Insider TV one night though.
3: Oh, as Reggie or as himself? Yes, you know,
4: wanting <laughs> wanting want to, want to know about Gary uh, Gary dressing up as Rowdy Roddy. Oh well,
3: I haven't seen the video yet. I got it on my DVR. In fact, I've got two DVR things from tonight, Rodney. One of them is Paul Feinbaum. One of them is Gary Harris, both taking the Ice Bucket Challenge. I'm sure it was very fun to watch both of them, but I have yet to see them both.
4: Uh, Did you see either one of them? I didn't see. uh, From what I understand, Gary Harris has challenged me, and I don't know who else else he challenged, but apparently I'm one of the people he's. So I guess I'm going to get dumped now, huh?
5: I guess.
3: I did, do it. Yeah. Hey, do it when y'all doing that practice report and you're out there in a hundred degree heat, you know, 90% humidity, Get, do it then. It'd be worth it, Rodney.
4: Well, they we might do it next week on the show. Who knows?
3: Oh, wow. Well, anyway, uh, we did, we did actually bring you on to talk football, believe it or not. Now that the comedy portion of the show is temporarily over. Uh, and we've been talking about the scrimmage now for almost 45 minutes. And I know that you had some good sources that saw the scrimmage, Rodney. And, uh, of course, you know, your website is no different than anybody else's website that, that covers Bam Athletics. A, a lot of nervous Nellies after the scrimmage, and they have to be reminded that everything that happened in the scrimmage happened for a reason because it was designed to be a passing scrimmage. And, but anyway, um, based on what you've heard and what you've learned since the
4: scrimmage, uh, how would you assess where the Alabama team is a week and a half before the first game? Well, I mean, I just think that you know it's hard to really make a lot of judgments from that scrimmage because you know it was they really weren't doing offensively. Well, first of all, they had several guys out offensively. We know that the uh, you know the offensive two offensive linemen were out. Uh, Dominic Jackson and Leon Brown, who who have made you know certainly were making some progress and could have probably been helpful in the scrimmage. Uh, you know they had the Brian Vogler was out too. So I think, you know, the offense in some ways was, was handicapped a little bit. Plus, the fact that the defense probably knew most of what was coming, that certainly was a disadvantage. And the fact that they really weren't running the football. You know, they ran it very little. Focus was throwing it. So, again, I think, you know, it's very difficult to make too many judgments based on that. And, you know, I know that a lot of people talked about the quarterbacks did not perform well, and, and I'm not saying that's not true uh, as a whole. Uh Again, I'm not saying that they didn't perform well. Supposedly, reportedly, according to those who had an opportunity to watch it, many said that they didn't perform well. And I think a lot of those things I just outlined certainly handicapped, uh, you know, what they could do. Uh, again, doesn't mean they didn't make some mistakes. But, uh, you know, I, I think that sometimes these bands kind of rush to judgment on these, these scrimmages and uh, you know, certainly I think when you look at Alabama, they've got a ton of young talent. They look like defensively they're going to be, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, go better than last year. Certainly maybe even uh, considerably better in some ways, maybe the pass rush, maybe in the secondary. So I think that though in those ways, they, they might be better. So defensively, I think Alabama looks really good, you know, heading into the season. Offensively on the other side, you know, clearly they have. You know, some great skill players, a wide receiver, tight ends, uh, you know, the ability to catch the ball with the uh, O.J. Howard and, you know, the running backs. Nobody questions what they have there. I think the two things that stand out are, number one is, is the is the quarterback and number two is the offensive line. And, you know, if it were me, I would say I would start just the reverse. I would say, you know, number one, my first concern would be the offensive line. Not that it's more of a yep. concern, but just that the yep. fact that if they can perform – then that's certainly going to take a lot of pressure off the quarterback. And, you know, that's where it all starts. I mean, that's where the games are won. So, if the offensive line is, is really good, develops really well, then I think Alabama's in pretty good shape. And, and hey, let's not forget the special teams, of kickers. Uh, Adam Griffith, I know. How about last spring? All I heard was how bad Adam Griffith was. You know, that he was terrible. He missed so many field goals and all this in the scrimmages that people got to watch. And, you know, you knew he had leg talent. You knew, you know, he was capable of really getting good distance on the ball. He was, and that he had, uh, he got the ball up quickly, which is, you know, very important in terms of not having kicks blocked. Uh, so you knew he had the leg talent. It was just a matter of, you know, would he gain confidence? It, you know, it, it, was it something between the ears that he was just not, you know, maybe feeling like some pressure or something of that nature? Whatever it was, he didn't kick the ball as well in the spring as, as he's kicking it now. And apparently it was, like, five for five, I think, Carry six for six, whatever it was, like three kicks over 40 yards, including a 50 yarder that they say would have been good from, you know, seven, eight, nine yards, you know, farther. So, uh, you know, he's done well. I think the fact that J.K. Scott, again, another complaint during the spring, fans, you know, beat that one like they did, a horse. how can Alabama not have a punter? Well, you know, they had one on the way, and J.K. Scott, thankfully, you know, in, in – in, so far, has shown signs that he has a chance to be a really good one.
3: True. Do you have a question for Rodney, sir? Bird, I'll let you ask the next question.
1: <laughs> well, I I was agreeing with everything Rodney was saying. I mean, basically, what we're what we're seeing, Rodney, is the
0: uh,
1: uh, the maturation of that O line and. Uh, I guess my question is, and this is this was my take from the scrimmage last Saturday, is is was the D line just that much better and that much fresher and that much quicker than the O line? Um, I, I think we have the opportunity to have just an absolute stellar defense this year,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I think we saw I think we saw some of that in this in this scrimmage, and I'm not necessarily freaking out about it because our offensive line guys are going to be honed by the by the speed and by the strength that is being thrown at them in practice every bloody day by this by this uh, group of defenders. Um what say you chief?
4: Well, I agree with you and in fact uh, some people who, you know, played the game, played on the line of scrimmage and, and on this level talked about last week that, you know, after the scrimmage, had a few people tell me, you know, what uh, it's possible that that these two these offensive linemen won't see two better you know pass rushing defensive ends than Jonathan Allen on one team than Jonathan Allen and DJ Petway, you know and yep. you know both those guys can wreak some havoc and so those guys are really good they're going up against a, a defensive line that when you have A'shaun Robinson and you have those guys and you can rotate all those guys down with Domlinson. Uh, you know, even Josh Fraser's gotten a, a lot of uh, opportunities. It knows, and it's going to be interesting to see how he develops, uh, and, and, and you know what kind of opportunities he's going to get once the season starts. But you know, all those guys that they've got, um, you know, they're they're very talented players. So it's going to be certainly, in my opinion, could be one of the best defensive lines. If not, you know, by season's end, who knows? It might be the best defensive line in, in, in college They're, they're impressive.
1: Very, very impressive, and they're big, and they're fast. I mean, it's – and it it seems like their motors don't quit. In in every single play, Rodney, it looked like uh, there were a bunch of guys hungry to be in on the play.
2: Um,
1: It wasn't that, okay, yeah, these two guys made the hit. It was like, no, I want some of that, too, uh, and I'm going to eat all I want. I I was – very, very, very impressed with what I saw. And I'll be surprised when we, you know, wade into the SEC if uh, we don't just wreck some havoc on some of these offenses. I mean, it it really is going to be fun to watch.
4: Yeah, and you forget a guy like Corinne Curvin. You know, uh, some of these other guys, Darren Lake, you know, some names that you just, you know, kind of don't mention sometimes. They, you know, I want to say they get lost in the shuffle. D-Liner. You know, we haven't even – nobody's really mentioned him. And I really don't know – I haven't heard much about D, and so I don't know what kind of camp he's had, but he's a guy that was obviously highly recruited and, you know, has a, has a lot of potential. Uh, so he's a guy that really hasn't even been mentioned uh, much to this point. It's it's scary.
3: Rodney, to, to, totally, uh, you know, I – Earlier, when you guys were, when Bird had the question, I and I agree. With, I'll echo what Bird said. I, I agree. I think Alabama, would, and I agree with Roddy. I think the defense has made major strides. I think I, Roddy would agree with. It. I think the secondary looks on paper and looks on the practice field is very encouraging. Uh, I think the cornerback situation is going to be much more talented. Yeah, they'll be young with Tony Brown and small enough or, you know, in the two deep, that I think they're going to be much more talented and get better as the year goes on. And I think Nick Saban, it was very telling, when I mean, we talked to Nick Saban and Rodney did as well. I mean, it's basically what he said was that the quarterback situation plays itself out, they feel like they're going to have a good football team. And I feel like he really likes where this team is. And I think the offensive line has some strides to make, but I do think they're going to help the hill line by running the football and I think that's also going to help the passing game, because they should be able to play uh, play action. And I do think Rodney's alluded to this as well. I do think the, the mobility of the
4: two quarterbacks is going to
3: really help this season as far as being able to make plays with their feet.
4: Yeah, I think the real thing that's going to be interesting, I, you know, I certainly can't answer it. I, you know, as media, I wasn't allowed to see any of the scrimmages, so I don't know. And I don't know how much they really showed in some of those the, the two scrimmages offensively, but – It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how the quarterbacks, the play selection and and kind of what what the offense looks like to me because, you know, frankly, we've watched all these practices. We we get about 10 minutes to watch practice, and, you know, you try to relate this to fans that, you know, out there that, you know, it's very difficult to draw many conclusions, you know, from what we we get to see.
3: Rodney, we have uh, backed off a little bit on our
5: recruiting coverage, simply because fall
3: camp started.
5: and is Absolutely, absolutely out of the way. Yeah.
3: But I wanted to uh, – I, I, right, and you have too, I know. But other I, I, than reporting flips. But speaking of flips, uh, there's been rumors in back some smoke-filled rooms, you know, card games in the middle of the night, I don't know, about possible flips to Alabama.
0: And uh-huh. I'd
3: like for you to address and just tell us what you've heard. Uh, would be Darrell Williams and
4: Javon Robinson. Mm I I mean, I've I've heard those things. Uh, You know, I've heard two sides to, for example, Javon Robinson. I mean, you know, that's been kind of out there being bandied about, that that he may make a final decision sometime next month, that he is considering flipping, not necessarily just Alabama. Maybe there's another school involved, too. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, again, Mm -hmm. You know, who, who really knows at this point? I've, again, I've heard the other side of it, too, that, that, that it's not going to happen for Alabama. So, uh, to be honest with you, I've been immersed in this fall camp for, you know, almost three weeks now, and I have not really – this is probably is the time of year when I get a little bit behind in recruiting because of that. So, maybe something else has come up that I don't know. As far as Darrell Williams or Darrell, I'm not sure – how he pronounces it, but, uh, you know, I've heard the same thing that everybody else has heard that supposedly he was going to flip to Alabama, but, you know, the word was it was going to happen last week. Uh, You know, I haven't heard anything additional, you know, since then, but that was kind of the word. I do know that, you know, from what I have heard that, you know, Alabama, the coaching staff, is is taking it a little bit more slowly right now. Uh, You know, the class is about full. They've got to make sure that whoever they take, you know, the guys they take from here on are going to be guys that, you know, they've got to be they're, – they're, they're trying to be extra selective. Is, is that may, might be one way to put it. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it will be interesting. You know, every time uh, you get to this point, there's always a couple of guys that are on the list, maybe two or three guys that, that eventually slip off the list at some point and, you know, freeze up a couple of more spots. But, you know, I think Alabama needs to – Probably uh, start zeroing in on which defensive lineman at some point that they're going to uh, going to take. So I think that's going to be something interesting to watch as, as we move along. Um, you know, again, what other wide receiver they would like another receiver? Uh, which which guy will that be? Uh, I think that's a, that's a question. Will will they end up signing a running back? You know, that's that's another question. Uh, especially with Bo Scarborough, who now may enter school in January if everything goes ex- as hope. So, yeah, I mean, there's some things. Will they take another DB? You know, there's talk out there that one of the top defensive backs in the country uh, is uh, still has Alabama extremely high on his list. So, uh, you know, but that just, just a lot of things. But I think many of these questions will probably start, you know, coming more into focus as we move down the road October, November probably. Now Josh McMillan is supposed to announce Josh McMillan, I'm sure you guys have, you know, announced that that he's going to be making his decision at 10 a.m. this this Friday morning. The linebacker from Memphis.
3: Right, and my question was the next question was going to be: Is it is it? Most Alabama fans seem pretty optimistic about Josh
4: McMillan. Is that is that well founded optimism? I mean, I think so. I mean, again, I, I haven't really. Spent any time on recruiting in three weeks and things kind of change, you know, I, I kind of have the impression that, you know, uh, he's extremely high on Alabama. It's Alabama, Ole Miss, and Michigan. And, uh, you know, I think the thought is that, uh, you know, he's he's kind of favored Alabama. Oh, man. And
3: he's a he's guy that can play more than one position,
4: right, Rodney? Yeah, you know, when you look at him, he, he's got such good size. I mean, he could eventually – you know, he could be a linebacker, I guess, but he could also be a, a, you know, who knows if he developed into a 200 and, you know, he's, what, 250 now or close to it. He could, you know, maybe be a, end up at one of those defensive ends, uh, you know, as, as time goes on. We'll see. Yeah, I
3: agree with Robbie. I think uh, Joshua McMillan is a guy that could play in the middle, you know, it's we'll where Alderman we in Intel was able to see him at the same Park combine. He definitely passes the eye test. But I look at him, I worry about a little bit about his ability to move laterally. I think he can usually end up being an Ed Stinson type that grows into a defensive end but can be a very productive player. I think as a now, I agree with Rodney. I think it looks very good for Alabama uh, with Joshua McMillan. I think he's going to be next on the train. would not to shock me if Rell Williams did something soon. As far as split in Alabama, I do think the, the Javon Robbins situation is murky. Like Rodney said, I think that could may or may not happen. But I don't. But like Rodney said, hopefully you know will be in in January. Running back is not a super need, even with Drake and uh, Yeldon likely to leave the NFL. I like what I saw Saturday. Guys from uh, from Tyron Dome. just needs to stay out of trouble. Needs to do the right thing. They know all be 10penny. I think both of them can still be very good at back if they're patient uh, and will get their shot next season with Derrick Henry. I just think right now, but as Robbie has said, it can uh, change quickly if someone should decide to transfer and leave the program uh, for off the field of problems. But if those guys can right the ship, I think Alvin still has a lot of talent to run back, and then both Scarborough, again, would inject some much-needed talent in the spring.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much a good summary, as, as you could get about right now, Drew. I mean, again, I think, like we said, a lot of the focus now, I think even the coaching staff certainly. They, there wasn't even as many visitors that I can uh, find uh, that came to, uh, you know, practices throughout camp. Generally, you, it seems like you have a lot, several more visitors throughout the camp. But there really wasn't that many, even it you take the two scrimmages combined. I mean, there was, you know, a handful last week, but the first scrimmage there was only, a, you know, three or four guys. There really wasn't very many. So, uh, you know, recruiting is just generally taking a back seat at this point.
3: Yeah, I agree, Robbie, T- totally. And then with the number of spots, but we're going to continue to evaluate, re-evaluate. And uh, it's just it's one of those things where – and the way it better thing didn't shock anyone – Neither did even really uh, Benito Jones. And that, that's a long way to sign day in 2016. So they're just going to take their time. And it's a very good class right now on paper. And, they, and they, I expect Alabama to finish strong. Well, Robbie, I doubt we, uh, there's any sure much
4: question you. about that, Jerry.
3: It's a, oh, yeah. I think it's number one class regardless of what I – if these are
4: a few more flip, I think that uh, it'll
3: still be consensus number one when it's all
4: said and done, Rodney. Certainly headed that way. I think, you know, a strong finish. They they always seem to finish strong and uh, wouldn't expect it to be any different this time.
3: I'll tell you what, Rodney, before we let you go, uh, it's been kind of odd the news that came out uh, that, that Calvin Ridley is only going to be able to play uh, three games this senior year. Why don't you explain that to our listeners? Say so that again, Kerry. I'm sorry. If you could explain to the listeners why it is that Calvin Ridley, uh prize wide receiver commitment, is only
4: going to be able to play three games this senior year. Well, apparently the rule in Florida is if when you turn nineteen years old in nine months, uh your eligibility is up. And I think that for mm-hmm. him is what, three games in, late September. Um you know, so right. uh he won't be able to finish his season. Hmm. Yeah, but, but I'm he, uh, still taking him, 20 years old. <laughs> true question,
1: 20. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds like he's Mormon.
4: <laughs> oh, wow. Well, you know, Ray, uh, Ray Perkins Ray Perkins didn't finish his Alabama career until he was, what, 25? You remember that? Yeah.
3: That sounds right.
4: So, he, this kid, uh, would, uh, Ridley wouldn't be the oldest player in history for sure.
3: Well, that's true. That's true.
4: And you got some guys that went to war back in the day. and So,
3: yeah, you're right. You're right. But uh, we want to thank you um, for taking the time to join us, Rodney. Uh, we're about to have to take a break. Marty uh, from Gadsden, I know you're listening. I know you're happy that Burr joined us tonight. So uh, he's fixing that to off a line in a few minutes. So, Marty, if you're listening, go ahead and give us a call during this break. But we want to thank you very much for your time, Rodney. That's Rodney Orr from PowderInsider.com. Uh, we are now going to move on to a break. Uh, you're listening to BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio.
0: Thanks, Ronnie.
4: Thank you, and you guys take care.
2: Take BAMS Sports Radio with you on the go and in your car with the free iPhone app with cutting-edge features including live broadcast, on-demand radio, play-pause buttons, and text connect, allowing you to text into shows giving True Tide fans an interactive sports radio experience like never before. Go to bamasportsradio.com or search Bama Sports Radio in the iPhone App Store to get true 24-hour radio on Alabama sports anywhere in the world, only from Bama Sports Radio. Keep
3: up with Bama Sports Radio off the air and on the move for the latest news and programming on all things Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at @BamaSportsRadio and like us on Facebook at facebook.com/BamaSportsRadio. Bama Sports Radio, giving you all tide all the time.
2: We are back on a Wednesday. Uh, Funny story, guys. This is Thomas Watts, your producer. I fat-fingered the Skype call that the rest of the hosts were in, and they are currently calling back in. So it's just going to be me, but I do have a caller on the line, and I'll go ahead and get the conversation started with him. I'm going to welcome Marty to the program. Marty, thank you so much for being with us, and I think I'm I'm going to be working on Bird in in a call. So what you got for us tonight?
5: Well, I'll tell you what. I was really... Looking forward to to speaking to Bird. I tell you what, the the father, the creator of BAM's Radio. I tell you what, that's the, that that was the one person that when I far, first started listening to BAM's Radio, that just I just fell in love with what what he had to say and what he brought to this show. You know, it, it's it's just a, a a special guy. It's just a treat to be able to hear from him tonight.
2: Absolutely. I think I got we the got call Bird back. On now, Marty. Yeah, here we go. I got you. Hey, back, Marty. Great. My my fat finger is not as bad. You got as you, got everybody. Yes, we are good to go. Ah,
1: was, we, have, we have learned the magic of the. Marty, how are you tonight?
5: Hey, I tell you what, I'm alive and, and and everything's good, man. I tell you what, that's just something, just you know, to be able to to be a be a part of this country and be able to enjoy Alabama football and and, and get to enjoy it freely. I tell you, it's, it's something of joy. It's a uh, join Thank you us.
1: You for
5: me, Marty the
1: the three percent club marty uh I, i'm one of the three percenters so right now i'm uh looking forward to sitting out in the warm sun at bryant denny stadium and sharing a, a cold beverage with friends out at the bams tailgate and uh man i can't wait to strap them on tight and get it on
5: Woo. Look, let me let me bring up something real quick while i got bird on the line you know, Bird. When I first started listening to this show, you know, I was amazed into some of the things that you had to say, and some of the the sayings that you would come up with, and and and, and some of the things that you would speak about Auburn and stuff. T- I it used to fire me up so much. I just get pumped up and couldn't wait <laughs> to the next to the next show that come on next week. Was hoping it would come on the next night, man, because t- you brought so much passion. And, and you and I. We think a lot alike. We really do. And I, and I learned that over a period of time to listen to you. And I just want to c- congratulate you on, on making my life better. Well,
1: thank you very much. That means a whole lot, Marty. I mean, it's uh, I've, I've missed being on the show. There's, uh, you know, I've had to step out for a little bit, but uh looks like with the football season starting to roll around and, uh major change in uh, the medication that they're giving me and uh, you know I'm able to kind of deal with uh, with some of the some of the complications a whole lot better and so I'm just looking forward to spending BAM's radio and uh, talking Alabama football or Alabama sports in general so but there's people like you that uh, that make it very very Uh, satisfying for me because heck we've never met but I feel like you're one of my best friends you know so it's it's always always a pleasure to have you on
0: well
1: Well, I'll say
3: this for Marty and for and for Bird I know we didn't make it happen last year I came down to the tent wasn't able to meet Bird and and, uh, you know I, I met with Carrie, but I hope to meet everybody this year uh you know uh we're excited, you know, where my website's going. But, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to, you know, take the next step this this season. We hope to in the near future. But regardless, I will be down for some games, and I hope to meet everybody. I kind of feel exactly like Bird does. You know, you don't feel like I, – I do know Cary, and I've met him on many occasions. But everybody else that's on this show, I've never really met personally, but I feel like I know them really well. And I hope to be able to meet everybody, Thomas included, at some point this football
1: season oh you will and you'll and you'll enjoy all of them i'll tell you what drew it's a nice group of people you you won't get any finer than carrie clark and thomas watts uh the rock is uh hell he's like my like my kid brother he's just a good good egg and loves alabama and and i'll tell you what his mama
3: loves alabama more than he
1: does and (laughs) (laughs)
3: thomas is the wizard man he knows how to get everything done behind the scenes and uh, yeah, he definitely last week. He jumped through a bunch of hoops so we could have a, a, still a good show. And you know we've had a few issues tonight, but once again we figured them out. And uh, he's always played an integral part on us putting this deal together.
1: Well, it's good, good, to, good uh, to be back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, sitting around the campfire. <laughs> well, I've
0: got uh, yeah. I've got
1: your marshmallow, Clark, right here, baby.
0: You still
3: be a cigar bird.
1: I I do owe you. You know what? I I I really hope
3: that your health allows you to still continue our original uh, trip to Tennessee this fall.
1: You know, I had uh, Big Head Chuck call me the other day, and he wanted to know. And and we we might as well tell the band's listeners we are we're planning a posse uh, to to do the Lane Train up to Tennessee. And, And Chuck was funny because he said. Bert, even if I don't get in that stadium, I just want to be out there and, and wear my crimson stuff and yell at Tennessee people. And of course, you have to understand. Big Head Chuck is about—he's bigger than Kerry, and Carry's a big boy. He's about six five, six six. And uh, I think, I,
3: I'm a tight end. Big Chuck is a right tackle.
1: He's—he he wears a size fourteen boot. I can tell you for—I know for honest. But uh, you know, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to to make that road trip up to Neyland to Stadium to Knoxville. I've got some uh, really really good friends that are UT fans, and I'm looking forward to going there with Lane Kiffin and just watching. Well, all three of their teeth click together because that's about how many teeth they have amongst the 102,000 people up there. Um, so we'll, so we'll, it, it's going to be fun year, an absolute
5: fun year. Hey, right, uh, go a ahead question, and ask right a quick Question. Yeah, I, I got a couple of questions. You know, since y'all guys get to watch the scrimmage or some parts of the scrimmage, uh, and y'all may have brought this up already. Now, I'm sorry, I missed about the first 15 minutes of the show. But uh, what does the line, linebacker play look like? I know we got uh, Trade to, to Priest back there, some experience. But I'm curious about Reuben Foster and Christian Miller and some of those. I'm, I'm really Christian. How, how are they? Progressing and coming along.
3: Well, I, can I take some of this, Kerry? I, I was going to answer some of this for, for Marty.
0: Um, Go ahead.
3: I think uh, I, I think the linebacker is going to be solid. Uh, there's not a CJ Mosley, but I think Trey can be very solid. I think Reuben could be there, key by mid-season if they if he continues. To you know, to improve his game mentally and get the defense down. And then they become confident in the schemes. He could take the linebacker to the next level. He's very talented. I think, you know, Reggie Ragland will be solid. I'm excited about the outside linebackers. You know, I think doing Lee can be a playmaker. be interesting to see if he plays in the first game. have noticed that since fall camp broke, he's kind of in the back of the line with the outside linebackers. That may be because of what happened in the spring. So, Will we see him against West Virginia? would not surprise me if we saw X a- a- Dixon at Jack and then DeVal at, uh, at Sam. But, I mean, but I think DeVal's lost weight. I think he's going to be a better player this year. Will be very solid. He had three sacks last year. But I really like Dylan Lee's playmaker potential. He can play inside in the nickel and dime, but he's an outside guy. He's very, very good in coverage, but can also rush the passer. And I think uh, he's someone that's going to be much better Number 42, who's now you know with the Green Bay Packers, who was not a disciplined guy. Who you know, as Coach Saban said at our you know in our, with our meeting with him uh, this past Saturday, he slammed a water bottle on his uh, on the podium and said, "These freshmen, they need to be a rock like this bottle is a rock. And when guys get outside and break contain, if you make him run inside the rock, we've got four guys to make the tackle. If not," And if you try to make the tackle yourself, it ends up being a touchdown. Hubbard did that a lot last year, was not a disciplined guy. I think, you know, Dylan Lee will be an upgrade. And I really like the future with Rashawn Evans. I agree with Kerry here. I think Rashawn will be in the rabbit package, be heavily involved in that by midseason. Christian Miller, I think he needs to redshirt. He's a guy that's only about 210, 215 pounds, needs to add weight. I think he has a lot of length and a lot of ability. But I think right now Rashawn is a little bit ahead of him physically, and I think uh, he'll be on the field as a freshman. Not so much with Christian, who I think will be an excellent player in the future. But I'll say this, too. One guy that I don't think is an ordinary walk-on, and I want to hear Kerry's thoughts on this, too, and Bird, but I think Jamie Mosley can eventually nope. be a player for Alabama. I don't think he's an ordinary walk-on. Nope. Obviously, CJ is paying his tuition.
1: He's special. He could play at any other college in America right now.
3: Yeah, I really think I, so. I, I, I think, think he that, has a future. I, just, I, didn't, I didn't see enough Saturday to make a complete judgment on him, but I think he certainly has a future. He's better than the average walk-on. a very quality-invited quality walk-on without question.
0: Yeah, no doubt.
3: I, not, I, really, I just really think the linebacker core is going to be much more solid this season overall. Now, again, there's not going to be a C.J. Mosley with a legend and with such a great player. But I think uh, th- there won't be a, a true weakness if everyone's improved as much as I think they have. And in uh, Bill and Lee, I think it's going to be a huge upgrade over Adrian Hubbard.
1: You know, Drew, what what struck me with the linebacker core was heady, it, it just just intelligent play. Um, right. And and, it, and it's hard. And you, you know, Carrie, I mean, it, you, you're so absolutely correct. It's it's so hard to take. You know, a scrimmage and a and a practice scrimmage at that, and and really kind of prognosticate what how these guys are going to pan out. But but what I saw was, you know, Marty, there's nothing for us to be really too upset about. These guys are smart. They know the plays. They know where to be. Uh, they know how to position themselves. They they you know, they, I think we're in really really good shape. And and I it's like the D line. I think we're deep. I think we're deep with linebackers.
3: Um, well, I agree, I agree, Bird. The only place that's a little bit worrisome is inside. If they lose somebody for you know a lengthy period of time, I think they've got four alive. Keith Holcomb is probably going to need to. He may play on special things, but he may need the red shirt. Right. Uh, he, he looks good physically. Uh, I mean, the playbook may be a little bit too thick for him right now. So, but outside, I agree. I think they're developing depth outside. and then they're they're cross-training so guys like, we mentioned this guy Ryan Anderson can play both inside and out and so can Dylan Lee so I think those two guys, Ryan Anderson we should have mentioned, or Ryan Anderson could end up playing a role, especially if someone gets banged up
5: Well, I'll bring my second question up, you know, we we talk about uh, Blake Sims and and we talk about Jake Coker being the quarterback but I I don't know what y'all feel about this, but you know Blake's gone after this year for sure. And uh, do you think Jake's gone after this year for sure? And if if so, should Saban not be mixing in that third quarterback, whether it's uh, Morris or or Bateman or whatever? Because uh, that's setting up for a potential problem down the road. You know I, I think the third quarterback needs to be working in on this this first of the season anyway. What do y'all think? I wouldn't play the third
3: quarterback unless I knew the game was over. Uh, Fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, of somebody beating beaten the heck out of, like Fort Atlantic or Southern Miss or um, Western Carolina, sure, you get them in then. But you can't play them just to play them. Uh, if Jake has a good enough year to leave after this year, it's probably going to mean we got into the playoffs and maybe won a couple games. So if, if that's the case, I'm willing for the trade-off. Uh, I personally think that Jake realizes he needs to be there two years. I'll defer to Drew on that, though. Well, I, I carry 110 percent with what he just said. Uh, after what we saw in the scrimmage and what you know, Kerry, myself, Bird, you know, Jake Coker is still a work in progress. He needs two years of college football to be on the field. He's obviously going to play some this year. Could end up being the starter. Nobody would be shocked, but he's—I will—I will be absolutely stunned if he does not come back for 2015. Uh, he's always wanted to play at Alabama. He, a, a, regardless, he will be the heavy favorite if he plays this season to play the next season. Coach Saban has always played the experienced guy. He would play him. Cooper Bateman would be in the mix as was would be David Cornwell. My guy, Blake Barnett, would be on campus, but should redshirt. Uh, Obviously, I've always believed in quarterbacks redshirting. So I I think it would be Jake Coker's job in 2015 because I think a a year from now he will be much more comfortable where he is offensively. Uh, He will go through a spring practice, will be comfortable with those players around him, which I don't think he is as of yet. And I just think regardless, uh, you know, you hate to get ahead of yourself, but I think he's going to be the, you know, massive favorite to be the quarterback in 2015. Could it end up being two one-year starters? Absolutely it could. But I think no no matter what, I do think that there's not a lot of separation right now between Blake and Jake. And I think right now you're going to see both of them play this season. And it would not shock anyone. And I still think Jake will win the job more than likely. But very happy for Blake Sims because he's grinded and deserves a chance to play and deserves regardless to have a package of plays. I think right now you're going to see Jake Coker spend two years in Alabama's program because he spent three not playing a lot of football at Florida State.
5: One last note that I can add from my Auburn friends that you know uh, have to tolerate on a regular basis. You know the 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 talk I'm hearing around the water cooler is that Javon Robinson is a serious flip to Alabama. That's what they're saying. So I mean, if they're, they're saying it, it, there must be some teeth to that, right there. So they're they're admitting it. Your your guys, you know, well, the by Albert, they're, they're admitting this. Well, they're not admitting it, but there's a lot of talk about it. So evidently, have they said anything
3: about Darrell Williams?
5: No, but but strongly about Javon Robinson. So I don't know if you know what I heard to start with. He he was going to Alabama anyway. I don't know what happened to that, but. You know, so maybe he thought he made the wrong decision.
3: Well, uh, I, what happened with, I
5: think – Go ahead and tell him what happened,
3: my, Drew. My, 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 my apologies. I just want to say, with Darrell Williams, uh, Marty, he, he wanted to commit to Alabama at the 8 day game. They were not ready at that point to take his commitment. Uh, Coach Saban wanted him to come to camp. Uh, then, you know, Hoover was going through their spring practice. Uh, Kirby Smart came and videoed some of his practice. Coach Saban watched the tape, uh, called Darrell back. And he said, look, you know, forget the camp. You can commit to Alabama. You know, but Darrell has kind of – he has he, he
0: given the co- – Auburn
3: coaches his word. Didn't uh, flip right away, but knew Alabama was interested. But, you know, a lot of the Alabama's committed guys have been working Darrell, including his teammate Christian Bell. And so I think, the, you know, Darrell Dur- has thought about this. I think he, he grew up an Alabama fan. I think he, he's very interested in Alabama. Uh, and then, of course, Alabama's board is kind of involved. You know, they lost some linebackers. Leo Lewis decommitted. And then, you know, they did not get Adonis Thomas. So they, they, the coaching staff has returned up the heat on Darrell. Would not be shocked before this season if he does to Alabama from Auburn.
5: Well, guys, great show. i tell you what, it's, it's great from hearing from all the experts on this show that you can't get anywhere else. In Alabama land, and I just I appreciate what y'all do, guys, for this show, and, and y'all keep it up. And I, I just can't wait. I mean, two weeks from tonight, we'll, we'll be breaking down that first game. That'll be exciting, and, and, and it seemed like it's been eternity since football's uh, been from last year. Well,
3: thank you, Marty. We appreciate you calling as always, man.
5: Thanks, Marty. Roll, Roll time. Have a good one. God bless you, Bird. Thanks you, lot.
3: Thanks, uh, Drew, we've got uh, another question from Chad. I'd like for you to ask it and you answer it. Uh, Any idea when the staff thinks Eddie Jackson will be able to play in a game? Well, my my opinion on this, after seeing his progress in the fall camp, uh, I know they held him out of the two scrimmages. I think he will play against West Virginia, but not a lot. I think it will be 15 to 20 snaps, could be in the nickel or dime, because I'm sure he's been cross-trained and knows the job. But I think he will play some to get his feet wet, and I think he'll play more in the in, against Florida Atlantic, and then of course uh, uh, Southern Mississippi. But he will not see his first ex- extensive time where he's go up probably until the Gators come to town. But I think he will play in all three games. I think he's made a lot of progress. They might hold him out against West Virginia, but I doubt it. I think they'll give him some time to get his feet wet. So he, again, and then he'll he should have a ample opportunity in the other two games where they should be able to play a lot of people, but I think they're going to try to get him ready uh, for the Gators, and I think he's made enough progress. He's moving well enough in practice. I know they didn't want to, you know, take a chance in the two scrimmages, but I would think he would get a chance to play some snaps against West Virginia. I don't know what y'all's thoughts are, but I would think he would play a handful of snaps and be on a pitch count. I would agree with that. Bird, are you still here?
1: I'm still, but I'm about to uh, fly off, Gary.
3: Well, I understand. I, I just want to thank you personally. Uh it really means a lot to have you back on tonight. It just it really made the show and please, 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 if at all possible, make this a regular thing.
1: Uh Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think Mama San has given me the okay and uh look forward to an exciting season of Alabama football, sharing it with uh the best fans on the planet. And uh well, sure sure appreciate the band's listeners, I gotta tell you that.
3: Well, Byron, I I'll, I'll echo what Kerry said. You know, this wouldn't be possible without what you put together and then getting invited in by you guys, you know, over a year ago, I guess now for me, uh, and that's become a regular gig, and now we're going to be on Bama Sports Radio. None of this would be possible without you, what you've been able to, put, you know, put together and, and uh, with your contributions, and we look forward to having you on every week during the football season, and we look forward to having excellent guests on every week, and, this show wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be what it is without what you've done. We appreciate it, Matt.
1: All right, guys, you're the you're the true experts, and it's fun for me to sit back and like, like with Rock, we get to put our feet up on the desk and listen to people who really know what they're talking about. So, <laughs> but I, I'll see you guys next week. Roll tide, and uh,
3: man, I can't hardly wait. Uh, roll tide, thanks, bird
2: buddy. man. Thanks for coming on, man. Later. thanks, brother.
3: Well, that was uh, I do wanna... Greg of the Bird,
2: Calhoun. Absolutely. I do want to jump in and piggyback off of uh, Drew's point real fast. Um, He said, Bama Sports Radio, and I I want to plug that real quick to explain to our listeners what it is. Bama Sports Radio is essentially a podcasting network. They have an app for both iOS and Android. You can download it, and since BAMS has now joined the network, as well as being able to get our podcast – from BAMSradio.com, you can get it through the BAMS Sports Radio app. On top of that, they'll have an archive where if you miss a show, like if you miss next week's show, you can go grab it. Or if you've missed this week's show, or actually last week's show, you can grab that. It, it's basically going to be an extra repository for our listeners to pull stuff up. Also, just overall app, they do run one of their podcasts 24 hours a day. So if you have to go to the gym, you know, if you, I, I'm a gym rat, so... If you go to the gym or you're just driving along and the radio stinks because Feinbaum's ranting at an Auburn fan, you can pull up your BAM Sports Radio app and you can get, you know, BAMs might be up or it might be one of the other podcasts that the Bama Sports Radio Network encompasses. It's great content. It's Bama-focused content. I encourage you to go out and download the app. I personally have done with the app and used it some, and it's, it's an interesting piece of technology. So from BAM's resident tech wizard, you get a recommendation to check out the app. I think you will enjoy it. But anyway, let's get back to talking BAMA.
3: Well, that's a big deal, though, for BAM's radio to enter into this partnership, Thomas, because it's going to increase our exposure, and it, and it makes us part of an existing solid network. So I think this is just a, a match made in heaven, really.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, and I want to give a shout-out to the I guys over there. Really... Yeah, I want to give a shout-out to the guys over right. there. They've been a joy to work with. Uh, the three drops that I played during our break, that's some, that's something you'll hear more of. I really like the long Eli Gold monologue. I'll probably use that a lot. But it, it's, it really is a match made in heaven, and we're really excited. And I know the folks over at Bama Sports Radio are excited as well. That was what I was doing this week. <laughs>
3: Uh, we're we're glad it's it's great. We're thrilled to be part of the Bama Sports Radio family. Uh, it, it's gonna it's it's just gonna be win win for both sides. And you know we're not the only Bama podcast out there. Uh, we're one of the few that goes live and 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 as a podcast. But we're not the only one out there. Well, there's other good ones, and they've actually picked up John Garcia's brand new podcast, which is called Crimson and Blue Chips, and he's had a lot of success. Uh, I don't know what that was. He's had a lot of good guests the uh, first few weeks, too. And John, Drew, I've got to share this with you, Drew. Uh, John has put up a really interesting post tonight, and I know he won't mind me sharing this if you give me about one minute to read some new information he has on Calvin Ridley and Sean Burgess-Becker. Uh, is everybody still, are you still there, Drew?
0: Oh, yeah, I got you,
3: brother. Okay. Well, let me just read this real quick. John, this is John Garcia talking on BamaMag.com. I was on the phone with a reliable source today that said he feels 120% sure that both Coconut Creek teammates, Calvin Ridley and Sean Burgess Becker, both committed to Bama, will remain as such commitments all the way through. There has been plenty of speculation about Miami, the closest BCS uh, team to their home, as well as FSU and Ohio State making moves for one or both. Yes, Ridley is a five-star and more coveted, especially at Florida State. But the source again reiterated that they will be in school together all the way through. This does not mean that one or both won't take official visits, as they both certainly will. Why wouldn't they? I would, and I agree with John there. Hell, who wouldn't? Anyway, but it's just an endorsement saying that each will be playing his college ball in Tuscaloosa. Uh, John further says he expects FSU to be the big contender for Ridley, uh, while Miami seems to be recruiting Burgess Becker hardest uh, other than schools not named Alabama. Again, the good news is they will not split up in all likelihood. They live together, as we pointed out on this show, and their families are very close as they are. In fact, Becker's parents were publicly shining attention at Monarch High School's administration for the Ridley eligibility situation, which is all but done. He won't be able to play beyond the September 19th game against Piper, as Rodney talked about earlier, due to him becoming 19 years nine months. Again, and this is John Garcia talking, I don't think that's a big deal. It certainly won't interfere with any recruiting, but it shows the tightness of their overall group. Uh, as, he, as John mentioned this on his Crimson and Blue Chance podcast, which is also carried by Bama Sports Radio, as I mentioned. Uh, it gives Ridley more time to focus on academics and maybe even get in school in January, which, of course, would be encouraged by Bama staff if they have a choice. Finally, he says uh, he thinks that uh, they'll take most of their visits, if not all, but they're going to end up in Alabama, and that looks more and more likely from what John's hearing and has heard for a while. And bear in mind that John Garcia, who is a regular contributor to this show, is a South Florida native and has some very good high school sources in the area. So uh, maybe that's not brand new, Drew, but it's really good to hear that coming from somebody that has good sources in South Florida. Oh, there's no doubt, Kerry, and uh, I've heard some information as well, leading me to believe that both of those young men are going to be at Alabama. I think they're. I think that things started looking up this week in that regard. I think some things are. I think I. I really believe that they are both priorities, and especially Ridley. And I think both of them. I will be shocked if they don't sign with the University of Alabama. Yeah, and, that's, and you know, I don't know if people really realize how good Ridley is. And Burgess Packard's a great safety, don't get me wrong, but when you look at some of the highlight real type plays that Ridley made, not only in, in his high school games, but even at the, at the combines and all this summer, I mean, this guy, there's receivers and then there's freaks. And to me, Drew, this guy's a freak. He's a freak. He plays faster than he looks on tape. I had a lot of people telling me he only ran a four-six. And, you know, he does not look like that when you see him in person. Uh, he's just on top of you. He's a technician. Just ask Blake Barnett how good Calvin Ridley is. And I mean, you know, he and he and Ridley had instantaneous chemistry at the opening, and uh, he helped. You know, Blake. He and Blake were the combo that basically won that seven-on-seven tournament. Blake was named, you know, the the, uh, the the winner of the Elite Eleven. Ridley was named Offensive MVP. So I mean, I just really think that both those guys have bright futures. And, I think uh, Sean berger Becker's is better than people give him credit for. Very good, strong safety. Uh, hopefully this will be a a, a a duo from the same high school, much as the same as Julio Jones and Robert Lester. Yeah, we both take that right now. Uh, something else I wanted to read just real quick, Drew, and this is not as long as the other thing. A release uh, from Me Relations at Alabama. Uh, it, it just shows what great strides are being made by Crimson Tide athletes. And, Thomas, you'll be glad glad to hear this too as a former tutor for the athletic department, but this is a release from UAM Relations. As classes begin Wednesday for the University of Alabama's new academic year, the Crimson Tide athletic department is coming off one of its finest years in school history in terms of academic success. The 2013-14 to school year saw the tide attain extraordinary heights at both the individual and team level as well as overall as a department. Alabama's over 550 student athletes averaged over a 3.2 GPA, including 46 kids that have a career 4.0. Overall, seven teams had cumulative GPAs above 3.5 for last year, marking the fourth year in a row at least five teams have met that standard, while 15 of 17 athletic programs earned GPAs over 3.0 for the academic year. And it goes on to say that more than 100 student-athletes earned their degrees during the academic year that ended in uh, mid-14. The latest numbers find that Alabama graduates 69% of the student-athletes, while the general student population graduates 67%. So Thomas, uh, as a former tutor and as someone that knows some of the people in place now, like John Deaver and his staff, this is really impressive by the University of Alabama.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And and having worked with a lot of those folks, it, it really, I can't underscore enough how hard they work to help something like that. If you've ever been on campus during class time, they're literally people, they'll send tutors to classes to make sure kids are going to class. And it—it it, it, it's not fair to say they just hold this, the athlete's hand, but they're such a great infrastructure around the athlete that it's always awesome to see them succeed. And that's, that, that gladdens my heart as somebody, you know, I count CJ Mosley as one of my former students. Uh, And I've said on this program before, whenever he succeeded, you know, it was a very personal glow for me. So, you know, and and having connections like that, it's just a great program. And I'm really glad that even as good as it was when I worked there a few years ago, it's gotten better.
3: Yeah. I just wanted to pass that along because sometimes we, concentrate too much on just football, and, uh, you know, I just feel like that the whole athletic department and it's it's tutoring all the, play, the, um, the, the props they can get. Something else that really caught my eye, uh, when I was in school, and, and I know I was there 77 to 83, counting my master's, we had like 16,000 students. Drew, Thomas, they have over 35,000 students now. I, I, that just blows my mind. I mean, thinking about the parking, the traffic, the, the, well, the walking
2: across the quad,
3: thirty-five over 35,000 students, 9,000 freshmen. I mean, that's we had 60, ten thousand total more. when
2: I was there. Yeah, that's 10,000 more than 2007. The university has experienced such titanic growth concurrently with the rise of Alabama football. It's a really... I actually wrote an article. I touched on Alabama is going to be putting out their first issue here real soon. And I was asked to write about the saving effect. And one of the things when you dig into the numbers is not only is the football program worth so much more money, but look on Alabama's campus. Dorms are going up everywhere. Enrollment is exploding. It's, it's a very – it's a crazy ripple effect. So just, just crazy stuff to talk about going on, on campus, not just as a football team, but as – a university community as a whole it's its just it's crazy even me i've only been gone out of there two two and a half years and it's 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 an order of magnitude bigger than even then and that that's really you know props to the university it is
3: and it's a big Go ahead. Oh, i'm sorry Gary, i was just gonna say it's a big you know i you got to really give robert win a lot of credit man oh. he, he's He's the one that had the vision to grow the university, and he's the one that, you know, knew that it was a great financial investment to bring Nick Saban on. And I'll never forget back in 2007, Thomas was talking about this. Was, you know, the media was just raising Kane on how much Alabama could pay Nick Saban. Why would you pay a coach that much money? And now, look, you know, now defensive coordinators are making a million dollars. So, I mean, you know, it's just it's, you just pay what the market, you know, what what the market, you know, it beckons, and I, I just really think, and what it and what and you just Alabama decided to, to do what they should have done, you know, when Coach Bryant retired, and you know Coach Perkins improved the facilities when Coach Bryant retired. But what I always used to ask my father because he, he experienced the Bryant era is, you know, Alabama was the best football program in the country. Why don't they? And I always see when I was a young man growing up, as far as financially, Alabama would be in the middle of the pack as far as money spent and coaches' salary. If Alabama is going to be the top football program in the country, they got to set the standard, and they started that with Dr. Witt, and then bringing in Nick Saban. You know, they, if Alabama's got the tradition and history they've got, they need to set the standard as far as for in the bar for salaries in football, and that's what they're doing now. Yeah, and Saban has more than just I mean, a lot of these thirty-five thousand kids are there because of him. So, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. The, the people that complain about him being overpaid and put all of that in their pipe and smoke it. Uh, If you want to call in and ask questions, we're still here for another uh, 15 minutes at 714-510-3707, 714-510-3707, and not to stay on the soapbox too long, but I also thought it was a big deal Saturday, Uh, and I I was not in a fraternity to Alabama, but uh, I thought it was a really big deal Saturday that uh, 21 African-American women uh, pledged uh, formerly all-white sororities in Alabama. This is something that's been a long time coming. It's something other schools and even other conferences have held against us. And, uh, you know, ma- maybe it doesn't compare to the wallets getting removed from the schoolhouse door, but I still say that that, that is a huge, huge thing. And I'm, I'm really proud that they uh, joined not the 21st century but the 20th century but I guess better late than never, guys. I, I mean, agree you Thomas. I won't let Thomas take this over, but he had a tweet about this, retweeted something about some of the media coverage being restricted because of that, and I think that's uh, ridiculous. And I'll let Thomas, you know, comment more on that because he knows more. But I think it's, you know, long since overdue. There should not be any kind of racism in that kind of situation. And I think uh, restricting the media coverage, though, is, is ridiculous. And i just let Thomas talking about it.
2: Well, uh, just to echo Drew, that there was an article that ran in the CW where essentially the bid process for sororities was closed to the media, which was – if you sit down and think about it, it's a really awkward step, and I didn't agree with it. I wasn't happy, but Carrie, to your point, it is a very small thing. But it only takes a single snowflake to start an avalanche, and that's a needed avalanche at the University of Alabama. You have to get out of the specter of Wallace at, at the schoolhouse doors. Even, even though it's a little preposterous, that is still there. It's still there, and you have to try and get past it. I do want to jump on you – know, just jump back real quick and talk about the continuous improving university. This is before the enormous windfall that is the recently launched SEC Network that's going to make everything bigger and better because that's going to just flush the, the university with cash over the next 15 years. So Alabama is a good, a good <laughs> spot to be not only as an alumnus but as a fan and as a student. It's, it's really exciting to watch.
3: Well, well I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Kerry. go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm all for the SEC Network. It's great exposure for the conference, but I'm afraid they're going to cost me some money because they announced today that uh, men's and women's basketball media days are being moved from Birmingham to Charlotte, home of the SEC network, and uh, I'm afraid that that could be uh, that could portend not good things for Birmingham when it comes to next year's football media days. And I'm really hoping it doesn't happen, but uh, I'm starting to think it might. Yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. I don't really agree with that. I think they ought to leave the media days, especially from a basketball perspective, because Charlotte. I know that's where the headquarters is the SEC network, but Charlotte is ACC country. <laughs> that really doesn't make What's a lot a of sense. What's a done deal for this year, though? For this year, it's a done deal. They're definitely having it in Charlotte. My fear is that yeah. football will follow it next year, and that'll that'll hit me in the pocket. Yeah, that's you know that's uh, that's uh, going to be a lot of reporters having to have their expenses paid. A lot, you know, <laughs> be a lot further trip because Charlotte is really not in the SEC uh, territory. And, uh, you know, I, I disagree with that. I think, you know, that I think they ought to leave it alone, leave it be. I, that, 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 this is the only thing that kind of worries me about the SEC network. is what they're going to do to the media coverage. But, uh, again, I agree, though, with Thomas. It's going to be a financial windfall for each institution. And I think that's why, you know, if the Anthony Grant era does not work out Alabama basketball uh, and they have to make a change, you No, know, who would have ever thought it but Alabama is going to try to make a splash, I think, with the basketball hire, carry And it would not be uh, shocking to me to see a $3 million basketball coach at Alabama. And I don't think a lot of people would have ever thought that. I think you dropped a little hint there when you said shocking, as in shocker. Hmm. Yeah, that, uh, hopefully. Hopefully, uh,
0: you know. <laughs> that, 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 hey, that's look,
3: like, no, stay behind Grant while he's still there. Let's, let's have that conversation in March. I mean, to be fair, come on. Right. He's got the talent to win 20 this year, even against that tough schedule. And quite frankly, someone made the point that with the schedule he's playing this year, 18 might get him in the NCAAs. So, 18 regular season wins. So, uh, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it should be a lot more fun team to watch this year. Let's, let, let's, let, let's not kick him out the door just yet. Let's see what he does this year, and we'll have this conversation, say, starting in February. Agreed. Fair enough but that being said you made a good point uh so we have covered a lot tonight uh i'm trying to think if there's anything else about i'll tell you what drew we we didn't really go into much detail uh and and one person had asked um on my twitter but we can answer it here uh the rules are different regarding the acclimation process as far as shorts to shorts and shoulder pads to full pads And that is the reason that Tim Williams, now that fall camp is over, the rules change, Tim Williams, as well as the other 25 or so walk-ons that joined the team today, were all able to come out and practice in full pads like the rest of the team. I wanted to clarify that first. But then to further expound on it, uh, now that he's finally back in full gear, Drew, uh, what are the chances that Tim Williams can say by the Florida game or the old Miss game, play himself into the rotation? Long. Uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's going to be a long road back for Tim. Uh, we may be surprised. He may be able to, you know, get the trust of the coaches quickly and, and and come back, you know, and make a move that fast. But somebody that missed, Kerry, just missed the entire fall camp. I mean, has not been seen or heard from since the A-Day game. I just feel like, you know, by, maybe by midseason, but it's really going to be a long road because you know, a lot of guys a lot of reps in front of him, and uh, I, I fully expect him to to be. You have to totally earn it back from the coaches, and you've seen some guys come back from suspension and earn it. You know, Jaron Reed and Ivory are in the process of doing that, but they, you know, they they did not miss nearly as much time as Tim Williams. And I just, I it's hard to say, I, but I wouldn't expect him to play a major role this year. And, again, I'm going to be honest, this is my opinion, and I wish they would redshirt the young man and make sure he's got his life together and then worry about bringing him next year because I think they've got enough pieces in place that they can be elite without him. And and they may redshirt him. The, the, The thing you run into there is if he's got the talent to leave after three years, and he leaves after next year. You got nothing out of him this year. That's that's how they're going to look at it. That's how Saban looks at it. I mean, I've heard him say that. So, I'm not saying he definitely has a talent to lead after three years, but he definitely has shown the, the potential to do it. And that would be my thing about him red shirt. Do you suspend him two or three games? Oh, sure. But when you get to Florida or or Ole Miss, and he's paid his penance, and done his due diligence. If he's still got his, you know, kept his nose clean, and he's and, and he's having good practices. I'm not going to write off the red shirt just yet. I'm not saying it won't happen, but the thing is, if a guy's, you know, got the talent to go after three years, you probably should get something out of him this year while you got him. That's just my side of the story. Well, I will say this, Kerry, and it's going it's to become more and more prevalent in the NFL looking into backgrounds, and right now Tim Williams' background wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't uh, pretend to him going high in the draft. That's all I'm going to say. He does have talent, but, you know, once they look – He's going to need to keep his nose clean at least a couple of years, in my opinion, to, uh, to be drafted high. And that's another interesting thing Coach Saban revealed Saturday, and he's revealed it to the press and to the Red Elephant Club, the REC. The, the, the thing that I thought was interesting is I've seen him say it two or three times that their, their process is going to be different now from the NFL Advisory Board. You can only have five guys go in for to be evaluated, and you're going to be evaluated on first second round or stay in school. And I think Coach Saban was definitely uh, targeting guys like Pagan and Hubbard, even though nobody's missing Hubbard right now, as guys that you know should have stayed in school and kind of listened to the coaches because they're not these stupid agents who don't care and are just trying to make a buck because both those guys would have benefited from another year, especially Fagan. Well, to show what little I know, I really thought Sinceri would have benefited from another year. But now that I've seen what he's done with the Saints in the preseason, I stand corrected. Well, yeah, he's going to be – he's going to make the team. He's been tremendous. I, I still wish he had come back as well. His situation was a little bit different and unique. But, again, I agree. He's been super productive. And I'll say this, and that felt talking stuff about him being gone, Kerry. But, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and say this. You know, the Auburn fans have had a lot, have milked that iron bowl for everything they could, but uh, Alabama was far from full strength defensively when they played Auburn. Everybody's talking about can they stop Auburn. Let me tell you something. If you've got a healthy Benny Terry and a healthy Doc, Dick I run on one leg, Alabama wins the Auburn game by 25 points. With one minute to go in regulation, they had 21 points. And all these Auburn fans, we got somebody listening tonight, just remember that because that game could have easily got out of hand for Auburn uh, after Alabama was up 21-7. to If we have all our bullets and our gun, I heard a caller on time, I'm just say, we're only going to get faster, Paul. Well, guess what? Alabama's going to tweak their scheme a little bit. And if Alabama's fortunate enough to be healthy when they play the Tigers, look out, man, because I think it could be a little bit different outcome time around. Yep. Hey, here's some more good news. Uh, Green Bay Packers uh, running back Eddie Lacy, uh, who by the way was one of the thousands of people that was left homeless by Katrina back in '05, on uh, right. Friday of Friday of this week, his folks are moving from a trailer home to a new house at Eddie Bottom. Uh, I guess I oh. thought this had already happened, but it is officially happening Friday of this week. So, how? I mean, that just that just makes you feel good right there, man. I'm sorry. That's you, you, oh yeah, man! That's, anybody that's a positive, positive thing? Anybody seen that you know that E60 thing on Eddie? Man, he overcame a lot. And and you know what else it says for Eddie there, Kerry is he was patient, man. He had to wait behind the Heisman Trophy winner and another first round draft pick before he became the man. And when uh, when he did, he 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 did he did a heck of a job. Great play, you know, just awesome job in the S C championship game you know, MVP performance in the national championship game, and then, you know, turns it in. He didn't go as high as he wanted to in the draft, but it's all about where you go. And he went to the perfect situation, surrounded by talent, and uh, was offensive rookie of the year last year, and looks to, you know, have a great career with the Packers, with the class organization, and you just got to, you know, and even even on signing day, Eddie Lacy almost signed with the Tennessee Volunteers. You know, he went up to the podium, his coach thought he was going to Tennessee, and then he signed with Alabama. So, you know, but you, so you got to really, you know, uh, tip your hat to someone like Eddie Lacy and DJ Fluker. Both those kids overcame so much off the field to still be productive citizens and have great pro careers. Absolutely. We've had a really good show tonight. It was, uh, it was wonderful to have, uh, bird back during football season. So that was great. Uh, Thomas doing hard work between the scenes. That's Thomas Watts, our executive producer from uh, Touchdown Alabama Magazine, and he's also gotten the deal worked out for us to join Bama Sports Radio, which we're very excited about. Uh, Drew Diarmont of AlabamaIntel.com doing his normal great job. Let's let's each plug uh, who we work for a little bit. Thomas mentioned his uh, above-the-fold story coming out in the next Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Uh, Kirk McNair did a lot of the work. Uh, Arnold P. Stedham and uh, also John Garcia have all collaborated on the newest Bama magazine that's out on newsstands now.
2: And uh,
3: a lot of exciting changes coming up uh, on Alabama Intel as well. Right, Drew? Absolutely, Carrie. We're going to launch a new website tonight at midnight. I think it's finally ready to go. It's going to be much more mobile friendly. So we look forward to doing that. Our members are all looking forward to that. We look forward to continuing to gain more members including uh, a well-known mother of a great quarterback uh, that's committed to Alabama who told me last night she was going to join. So we look forward to that, and hopefully she's going to be a guest on this show in the near future. We'd love to have her. Uh, longtime listener and BAM's radio fan, Heather, wants all y'all to know that her house in Ross Bridge and Hoover is for sale. And uh, someone by the name of Katie Ingleson, I don't know who, the, who she is, but she is going to be hosting the Cecil Hurt Show one of many Alabama podcasts, and always a fun one to watch. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of Cam's Radio on Blog Talk Radio. So for Drew Armand of AlabamaIntel.com, for Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, for Greg the Bird Calhoun, who founded this show several years back and has kept us going the whole time, and for our guests, Rodney Orr of com. I'm Kerry Clark with AlabamaMag.com, signing off on another edition of BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Roll Tide, everybody.
0: Roll Tide.